In the past decade or so, people's interest in Stoicism has positively exploded. Stoicism first came on the scene during difficult, trying times. The Greek city-state was breaking down, the world no longer felt stable, and change was the status quo. Stoicism says that while we can't control the external world, we can control our own beliefs and actions, and in turn, find a measure of serenity, happiness, and moral meaning. It only makes sense that it would once again come into vogue during a time of great social, political, and environmental unrest. And while Stoicism has found its way into recent publications, workshops, blog posts, and college courses, the fact of the matter is that Stoicism is grim. It advocates for the suppression of emotions and physical appetites. It suggests the resigned acceptance of mixed fortune, and it denounces pleasure. Sure, it might gird you with the armor to get through life, but who wants to live a life devoid of hope and happiness? Enter Aristotle and his lesser-known recipe for the maximization of happiness. According to Aristotle, the goal of life is to maximize happiness by living virtuously, fulfilling your own potential as a human, and engaging with others, family, friends, and fellow citizens in mutually beneficial activities. While he maintains that humans must take responsibility for their own happiness, they are also armed with a host of inborn abilities that equip them for such a pursuit. Humans are inclined to ask questions about the world around them, deliberate about action, and activate conscious recollection, all ingredients to allow them to flourish personally and collectively. But Aristotle was also very aware that virtue and contemplation alone do not guarantee a eudaimonic life. Good or bad fortune can play a part in determining our happiness. For example, he acknowledges that happiness can be affected by such factors as our material circumstances, our place in society, and even our looks. In other words, things that are really the luck of the draw. On this episode, we're going to talk about the role that luck plays in happiness, if it plays any role at all. Let's think significantly. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I am Pete, and I feel extremely lucky and delighted to once again be joined by my co-host extraordinaire, my own personal four-leaf clover, Melissa. Well, well, thank you, Pete. Um, I have always fancied myself more of like a, a rabbit's paw, but um, <laughs> I could be a four-leaf clover. I just feel like they're so fragile, you know. I, yeah. I, but anyways, yes. I <laughs> thank you. That was that was lovely. Um, and as we have started out all of our episodes, basically forever, but definitely this month, I know that we're starting out with the definition of happiness. And I'm guessing from your intro that you are going to be borrowing from, oh, I don't know, Aristotle's definition of happiness. <laughs> you would be absolutely correct. Uh, I'm going to go with the Greek word that usually gets translated as happiness. And that is eudaimonia, which I mentioned in the intro. Eudaimonia literally translates to the state or condition of good spirit. And according to Aristotle's works, eudaimonia was the term for the highest human good back in the day. But 
But as we've already discussed this month, we often think of the polar opposite and think of happiness as a subjective state of mind. Uh, yeah, I would have to say that is particularly true for at least modern day America. I can't speak for all the countries listening, but yes, um, it's kind of like when somebody says that he's happy enjoying a cool beer on a hot day or or like when I'm out, quote unquote, having fun with my friends, you know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. For, for Aristotle, however, happiness is actually more like the ultimate value of your life, like a, like a grade that you get that encompasses the totality of your being, measuring how well you have lived up to your full potential. It, it's not something that can be gained or lost in a few hours, like pleasurable sensations. And, and for this reason, we can't really make any pronouncements about whether we've lived a, a happy life until it's over. It ain't over until it's over. It's yeah. like uh, saying that was a great football game at halftime. Yeah, exactly. Which exactly. I have said before, if, if my team happens to be losing <laughs> on the back nine. Yes. I've been like, that was great up until freaking it's, it's oh, not being right. great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and uh, in his, in his Nicomachean ethics, uh -huh. Aristotle says, for as it is not one swallow or one fine day that makes a spring, so it is not one day or a short time that makes a man blessed and happy. Do you know if so, he means swallow like beer or like swallow like bird? Do we I know? Think he, I think he means the bird. I don't oh, think. Does he? I, but I mean, honestly, it's open to interpretation. I wasn't there, so maybe. <laughs> he predated Pete by three days. <laughs> yeah. I just missed it. Just missed yeah. that window. This reminds, okay, so because we don't know, uh, right. I'm going to draw some modern day parallel, modern day okay. meaning within our lifetime. Uh -huh. uh, I, I think of Kenny Rogers when you say that, about that whole, like, you don't count your money while you're sitting at the table. <laughs> It'd be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. That's right. It's one of my mom's favorite albums. Is it? It is, yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a good I, one. I, it yeah. really is. It's one of the, one of the, like, three I listened to all the time as a kid. I, and I, I really don't know if that's where Kenny's head was at, though, when he wrote The Gambler. But I mean, there's definitely similarity in that message. I'd love to be able to contact him and be like, what did you think of when he said swallow? I what could, is your I'll, interpretation? I'll, I'll see if his lyrics are on ResearchGate. <laughs> well, I have a little trivia for you, actually. Okay. Um, besides you, the being your mom's favorite album. Right. That was, <laughs> uh, I did not know that. So I see your trivia about your mom. And I raised you one... Um, so Aristotle's recipe for happiness was also known as peripatetic philosophy. Oof, and that is because, yeah, well, you just went through all those Greek words. I was, very <laughs> I'm like sounding in that. I'm like, you Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but that's because Aristotle conducted his philosophical debates while, while strolling in the company with his interlocutors at his Lyceum in Athens. And you know how big I am, the salons and lyceums and, and other places where people gather to think big thinks and talk big talks. And and your pension for interlocutors is not going unnoticed either. But no, I, I didn't know that. That's very cool. So for uh so for Aristotle and luck, to be clear, we're saying that uh Aristotle thought that luck was part of the happiness equation, yes? Well, he definitely believed that there are some things uh, like being born tall, being born wealthy being born with great intellect, um, being born with moves like Jagger <laughs> that are that are luck of the draw and definitely contribute to one's happiness. Is that really, 
I don't think I want to have moves like Mick Jagger, quite honestly. I don't, I might that not, might not, might not go over well with our audience, but I didn't say it was going to be a positive effect on your happiness. I just said it would affect your happiness. I see. But the other things were positive. So it made me think like, oh, here's another positive, but uh, I didn't. Some people like, like, would like to move like Jagger, or at least that's, that's what I've heard on the radio. Right. There's a song about it. Yes. Yeah. So, um, are you familiar with King Priam by chance? The, uh, as I talked about uh, Aristotle in the in the intro, the the legendary figure in Greek mythology, the the last king of Troy, uh, the father of notable children like Hector and Paris, uh, the character that was played by Peter O'Toole in the 2004 movie Troy. No, I've I've never heard of. of All right, Troy. buddy. All right. All right. Sarcasm, <laughs> man. All right. Well, that was a lot. All right. Well, what you might not know is that his entire life was virtuous, yet he lost his status, resources, family, friends due to that Trojan War that you know nothing about. And here comes the shocking part. Did you know that Aristotle chalked up his life as, as, as not happy? He did not live a eudaimonic life due to his lack of luck? Yeah, that's, that's some crazy stuff. Like, how are you supposed to control for luck? Like, that's like... That's like trying to control for weather. Right. It's not even like the weather app is correct these days, right? Exactly. (laughs) You can't even control for it when you know what's supposed to be coming. Right. No, it's May and it's still in the 40s. What's going on? Exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm just trying to demonstrate here the extent to which luck is paired with happiness. Um, In fact, scholars have helped uh, make this case for me. So there is a Dartha. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is. Vader. (laughs) There is a Dr. Martha. That's the gender bend. Yeah. <laughs> there is a Dr. Martha Nussbaum. She is a very well-known academic who has done a lot of research and writing about Greek culture. And she pointed out that Aristotle used the Greek term makariotes, which means fortune, blessing, those sorts of things, interchangeably with uh, eudaimonia, just so you know. Mm. So that would... That would indicate that that to Aristotle, happiness is on par with being blessed. Well, one would think so, unless he pulled one of those happy, 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 bad things that you did with the Mick Jagger thing. But yes, yes, logically speaking, one could think that he's using them as synonyms. Yes, Uh because the original meaning of happiness and a good life, right, is Uh being fortunate, lucky, blessed, right? And those were very highly contingent upon external conditions this Mm -hmm. this very fragile like a four-leaf clover external (laughs) view of happiness was dominant for centuries probably right up until the enlightenment i would think yeah so so let's let's fast forward just a few years we'll we'll skip the enlightenment altogether (laughs) and and talk let's talk about what people believe in the present day about the connection between luck and happiness well, do you care if I nerd out here just a bit more and talk about, a little bit more about etymology? I would never stand in the way of our resident communication expert <laughs> opining on the origin of words. No, I do not mind at all. Sorry, I had more in my notes that I wanted to get out. Uh, there will I, be no I, time I am, later. I am thrilled to hear it. All right. So etymologically, 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 <laughs> Etymolo- accord- et- according yeah. to etymology, <laughs> right yeah correct yes <laughs> the prefix hap that we find in words like perhaps and happenstance and uh, haphazard happy 
Also happy. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Happy. Right. I should have started with that one. Yes. I, I, I come in with the, with the 10 level words. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. Hap means luck or fortune. And the word happy in the late 14th century literally meant lucky or being favored by fortune. And there are a lot of languages that actually show this overlap between happy and lucky. Well, that's interesting that, that people see an, an intersection between happy and lucky. Mm-hmm. Are we saying that, that people who consider themselves lucky are happy? Well, I can't speak for everyone, but I can tell you what research says. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, according to a recent study, uh, people who are self-described as happy have some very specific beliefs about luck. Like they are less likely to see luck as some like outer force that makes things happen for people, but more likely to consider themselves personally lucky, which is, which I understand is a subtle distinction, but I think it's a very important one, right? Sure. It's, it's less about the four leaf clovers and rabbit's feet that we talked about earlier and more about buying a winning scratch off ticket. Right. Well, if you think about it, if they are personally lucky, that scratchy probably wasn't lucky until they took the edge of the quarter to it. So right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this team of researchers from the UK and Hong Kong gave surveys to 844 English speaking university students in Hong Kong. This is in case anyone wants to replicate it. These are the ingredients for this recipe. You need 844 English speaking university students in Hong Kong. I'm sure, I'm sure that place is teeming, teeming with English speaking university students. So the survey questions measured their thoughts about luck and their happiness levels and their personality traits. And what the researchers observed was that less happy people tended to have a stronger belief in external luck. They're the good luck with that variety, right? That like mm-hmm. dictates our fate, good or bad. So, so I'm trying to figure out why. Is, is, it, is it because if luck is in the driver's seat, that deprives people of, of personal agency and self-determination, which would diminish their overall sense of accomplishment and thus their happiness? I mean, could that be it? Yeah, I, th- I think that makes sense. I think you're, I think you're spot on. Um, because if you think about it, if, if we believe that we need luck to be successful or that bad luck is somehow the source of all of our setbacks, well, that's going to hinder our motivation to pursue goals and like, I don't know, take risks, learn and grow from our mistakes, right? There's some outward entity like controlling the strings, you know? Mm-hmm. That makes, so I found this, I thought this was a cute stat uh, that we that would we could weave in here. All right. Uh, but I, I found that that 72% of Americans say they have at least one good luck charm. Okay. And now all of a sudden I'm less excited about that. That's and, interesting. And, and just to refresh, uh, on the flip side, this research concluded that happier people tended to believe themselves to be personally lucky. Yes, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I don't, I don't really know about their good luck charms. Yeah. They're fuzzy dice in the rear view mirror. I don't, I don't know right. like how that all ties into it, but, but if you think about it, if you view yourself as lucky, well, that, that really is on that optimism or gratitude sort of gradient. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that lends itself to a whole host of positive things. Like now you have hope, self-acceptance, connection, all these all the things right all sure the things. yeah 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 people who feel personally lucky would be more confident mm-hmm. 
And in turn, they would try new things, get engaged in meaningful causes uh, or, or act in ways that help others because they feel that life has been kind to them. Yes, it's, yeah, this is deep, right? Because you're like, mm-hmm. is it external? Is it internal? It's like life has been kind to them. They've internalized that, right? That's the manifestation. It's, it's almost like the, in my mind, the personal rendition of the pay it forward phenomenon. Someone right. did right by you. Right, the universe in this instance. Right. <laughs> the universe did right by you and you want to give back. Right, which is not a bad person, right? Or not a bad no. entity to be on your <laughs> no. side, right? No, yes. 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 So maybe it's that the universe, to be clear between this external and internal, has made you like an internally lucky person. It's possible, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Anyways, this study definitely had its limitations. It was a little confusing to get into. And there's actually more to it that I was like, we cannot even include this because I was like trying to whiteboard it yesterday. And I was like, carry the one. And I was like, I'm (laughs) never going to be able to explain this. Um, but the, the takeaway, right? The, the takeaway that I think is, is of importance here is that it behooves us to think about luck as something that benefits us, not this intangible force that may or may not serve our interests. Sure. It's, it's, it's kind of a framing thing, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Seeing, seeing it as something that is on our side versus something that works against us. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of framing, are you familiar with uh, three good things. Is that the sequel to a few good men? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. They're sorry. I had to be smart. Uh, three good things. Uh, I'm guessing, I'm guessing just from the name, uh-huh. uh, you go and you reflect about your day and you're like, what were my three good things today? Am I right? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Exactly. Yes. All right. So in this study, participants were asked to write down three good things from their day for just one week. Mm-hmm. And after that one week, they were 2% happier than before. But then <laughs> their happiness kept on increasing from, from 5% happier at one month to 9% happier at six months. And all this, even though they were only instructed to journal for one week. So I'm sorry, I have to laugh here. You're like 2% happier. What does it look like? It's like, it's like milk. You were like, yeah. you were like no fat before. And now you're like <laughs> 2% happier. So yeah. So you said that they only were instructed to journal for one week. Right. But then we have stats at six months. Right. One month. So they just kept going. They kept doing it on their own. Yeah, apparently so. That, oh. that, that small increase in happiness, whatever, however they were measuring that, mm-hmm. uh, that small increase after just a week was enough to motivate people to keep up with the practice. And as you know, we are, we're primed for hedonic adaptation where, where we grow <laughs> accustomed to the good things in our life. Right. And that that makes sense from an evolutionary perspective, but it sucks for our happiness because we then take for granted things that increased our happiness previously. You know, I have to laugh because I have hedonic adaptation in my notes, too. And the and the source that I was drawing from on the interwebs actually said, like it actually gave examples. It said, you know, we get accustomed to the good things in our life, like Mm -hmm. our car our homes, our wives. And I was like, what? wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then we're like out with the old, in with the new. Um, anyways, <laughs> I, I think I know where you're going with this base because I had it in my notes too. So uh, uh-huh. you're saying like your your material goods make you happy because you're you're consciously thinking about them, right? I mean, they're they're at the forefront. So when you're thinking about them, you that's what that's what makes them right. 
that's what makes them good, right? You're- I, I, I don't think it's limited to just your material goods, but but I agree that that the idea is to keep putting those things that make you happy on the front burner mm-hmm. to keep reminding ourselves to be appreciative of them. Right. So um, interesting. Yeah. I can understand why this exercise would be that useful then, you know, like you're just, yeah. So right. speaking of how this intertwines with the luck though, I'm thinking about like, even if what we're happy about is something that we could contribute to luck. Like the other day I thought I was going to be late for the bus, but it turned out that the bus was late. So I actually made it. And I was like, like that has been one of the happiest things that has happened to me <laughs> in a while. I was very hey. overjoyed by that. I felt like, the sun had shown upon me, you know, and, and, and gratitude is gratitude. There's, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so this is actually a nice little segue into a study that I read about regarding tracking your happiness levels on the daily. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I'm going to ask, is this the study by Goldsmith? Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. I had this in my notes also. All right. Yeah. So this study was born from previous research, like as you know, as research tends to be, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> if I can see further, it's because I stood on the shoulders of giants. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and it demonstrates that, that happiness monitoring actually has deleterious consequences for your happiness. That this is, this is the research that they were like trying to prove or disprove. Like, is this true? Like if I track it, will it make me sad? Right. 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 What we, what we think will make us happy. Isn't always what makes us happy. I know. Shocking. Right. Yeah. There's yeah, a whole totally. ad industry, marketing industry that would just yeah. crumble if we were, <laughs> if we, if we actually were aware of that. Yeah. Right. Rebel and be like, no, these Nikes do not make me happy. Yeah. Right? yeah. So weird. Yeah. Right. So in this study, if you don't mind me getting into this. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Go, go for it. So, so in this study, which, which was really the work of two goldsmiths, uh, a dad and a daughter. Goldsmy. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yes. That's the correct uh, pluralization of that. The dad was convinced that regularly asking and answering the question, how happy was I today, had made him happier. Right. And the daughter's like, uh, not so fast, Pops. Right. <laughs> so the daughter was very skeptical. Like when we ask ourselves how happy we are today, isn't there a risk that we will wonder, well, how happy should I have been? Like, what's mm-hmm. the bar here? Right. And that delta, right? That disparity between how happy you think you should be and how happy you actually were can make you sad. That was her premise. That was her right. idea. Right. Right. So maybe, maybe a little rewording would do the trick. A little, a little reframing, if you will. Yes, that's correct. And in the end, they discovered that participants who had received a question that asked, "Did you do your best to be happy today? Like your best?" Mm-hmm. That, that is what did it. Those participants actually experienced the biggest boost in happiness, perhaps more than the two percent. <laughs> <laughs> Dare to dream. Dare to dream goals, hashtag goals. Yes. Yeah. And the reason it did that is it, is it reminds us that we want to be happy. Mm -hmm. It makes happiness salient. And the goals that are most salient are usually the ones that we prioritize when we have competing demands. Right. So interesting. Right. And this salience, particularly when the focus is on what we are doing to become happier leads to changes in behavior. In another similar study, um, the researchers determine that 38% of participants who made behavior changes focused more on those positive events in their life, right? They're just Mm -hmm. their eyes on the prize. Mm -hmm. And then 16% made an effort to have more positive interactions with others. Sure. 9% reported um, engaging in more productive 
activities. 9% simply worried less. Wow. And interestingly, I'm sorry, Pete, but nobody reported buying things made them happier. <laughs> oh, another shocking result. I know, right? We're just uncovering all sorts of cutting edge wisdom here today. <laughs> Dropping knowledge left and right. You know it. That's what we're here for. That's right. And, and there are other behavior focused questions like, did you do your best to have positive interactions with others? Mm -hmm. Did you do your best to set goals today? Right. Or... Did you do your best to make progress toward your goals that can also be effective? Right. Did you do your best to identify those instances in your day where luck was shining on you? I'm going to add that one. Right, right. Like, like that parking spot right at the store entrance when it's pouring rain mm -hmm. or, or that same store opening a register just as you're ready to check out, allowing you to avoid a line. Hey, as a systems engineer, I got news for you. That is not luck. That is a systems engineer <laughs> being like, we, we need to open another till. Yes. Yes. You know, um, <laughs> the yes. queue is exploding. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, I'm going to bet that there are, there are a lot more happenstances, things that you really have no control over happening in our lives on the daily that we all are probably simply brushing off, right? Just, just way too easily. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, and I think far too often we find ourselves not living in the moment. And, mm -hmm. and, and by that, I mean, we're either ruminating on something that just happened or thinking ahead to something in the future. And because we aren't present, we don't notice nor appreciate these little happenstances, as you put it. Mm -hmm. And that can be the difference between thinking we're lucky or not. Or the alternative, right? Sometimes we attribute that parking spot near the door uh, to our keen eyesight or our strategic mm -hmm. circling the parking lot aisles, right? And mm -hmm. we don't give credit where credit was due, which is sometimes we just have to appreciate the fortuitousness of the circumstances and, and you know, not break our arms, patting ourselves on the back. Right, right. But, but to your point, yes, being more present is good advice all around because it gives us a better chance of noticing when luck does descend upon us. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. what else you got on your list there? I have, a, I have a few behaviors that people can adopt to try to bring more happy coincidences into their life. And, and the first one seems too simple to possibly help. So it's funny you say happy coincidences because I immediately thought happy accidents, Bob Ross. <laughs> Good. So what's the first one that that's too simple to possibly help? Now I must know. Okay, just smile. Smiling is known to release chemicals that increase our happiness, and it has a positive effect on the people around us. That makes sense to me because we are absolutely taking cues from the people we interact with. So if mm -hmm. you come at me with some big old grimace, I'm probably <laughs> going <laughs> to so, grimace. I don't mean the character from the McDonald's <laughs> because he makes me smile. He's my right. favorite. No, he, right. Yeah, he's right. He's my favorite, he's, actually. He's so between, poorly named. Yeah. I know. Between him and the hamburger. Yeah, all the ham. Yeah. Dude, no, you ain't getting my fries. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. So basically, I'm going to return the energy to you. Yes, I'm on board with this. But right. what's the connection to luck here? What we'll tie that together for me? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I approach you with a smile, I'm going to get a smile back. Usually. And, right. And, and the chances of that interaction being more pleasant go up. And those pleasant interactions are where we start to have these happy coincidences appear. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying we're just like giving space to allow like the happy coincidences to germinate. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right. We're making room for it. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. What else you got? 
Well, once you've got that, that positive outward appearance going on, there, there are two things that kind of go together. One is to say yes more often, and the other is to broaden your social circle. So are you saying it's kind of like a chain reaction? You, you start walking around with a smile, you start getting invited to things that maybe you weren't invited to before. Right. No, per- totally. And saying yes to those opportunities that you've maybe never experienced before, never even been offered before, mm-hmm. exposes you to more people that you can have positive interactions with. Mm-hmm. And thus more chances to think that something about those interactions has brought you good fortune. That, that makes some sense to me. So I'm just thinking about this advice work though. And these seem to be like all very outward facing behaviors, <laughs> right? Yeah, and yeah. I have to think like, especially after coming out of being in my basement for two years, right? <laughs> or maybe I didn't see too many people. Right. Um, I have to feel like there's gotta be some like, internal work that we could be doing too, to start believing that start noticing those instances where we're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you totally figured me out. I, I led, I led with the easy part to draw you in. And and now we get to the last piece of advice, which might be the most challenging for most people. This is like foot in the door. This is like a sales (laughs) technique. It it exactly is. I I wanted you to think, oh, I can do that. I can smile. Sure. I can can say yes to things. Yeah. I can meet more people. Sure. I can go to game night. Sure. Yeah. Wait, there's, there's work involved. Yeah. Uh, No, I'm out. Well, I've already, I've already invested in these other things, so I might as well do the work. Right. All right. So that's what I'm going for. That's so, what we go for. How does yeah. one go about doing this? Let me let's so, hear the hard part. Ugh. So what we need to do is is challenge our way of thinking. Okay. Uh, and it really goes back to reframing the way we think about events, as we alluded to a few times already in this discussion. Okay. Knowing you like I do, you have an example. You have an example <laughs> to illustrate this. I, I know you do. Yeah, you do. I, you know me too well. Yes. Right. Too often when something bad happens. People think, why me? And they ruminate about what bad luck they had. Mm -hmm. But truly lucky people have a different way of looking at things to always put a positive spin on a situation. So are you up for a quick story? Pete, you don't have a quick story (laughs) in you. (laughs) But sure, I'm up for a story. Just remember, the Zoom room only lasts for 40 minutes. Go ahead. This is a a quick one for one of my stories. All right. Okay. Go ahead. We're all familiar with Colonel Sanders, I'm assuming, the founder and the face of KFC. Yes, I think everyone listening is probably familiar with two pieces of dark meat and three sides. Yes, go ahead. Okay, excellent. So when he was starting out in the 1930s, he had a successful restaurant in Kentucky, of course. Mm -hmm. But a new road was put in that changed the traffic pattern and his customers dwindled, causing him to close the restaurant. Oh, well, that is is some bad luck right there, right? Right. (laughs) Right. Um, Or at least... That's what I think you're trying to get us into thinking, right? Bad luck, right? Right, right. But after he closed his restaurant, he took his last hundred dollars and set about trying to franchise his fried chicken recipe. And the rest is culinary history. I love how all these stories are like, I was down to my last hundred dollars, right? <laughs> we've had a few of these at this point, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and there's, there's probably a million more for everyone that we've told. There's a million more where they're down to their last hundred dollars and they tried something and then they were down to zero dollars. Oh, right. We don't talk about those. No, we don't. We don't, we don't talk about Bruno and we don't talk about <laughs> all the times we right. tripped over ourselves. Yes, right. exactly. Right. So 
to get us back on track, the closing of his restaurant, which seemed like bad luck at the time, actually was the impetus for him to find greater success. It turned out to be like a stroke of luck, if you will. Right. And that's the that's the kind of thought exercise that we can incorporate to help us feel luckier. When a, when a thing happens that we think is unfortunate, it may have saved us from something worse or opened a door that we wouldn't have noticed before. Oh, yes. That is, uh, that's got a name. It's uh, counterfactual thinking. And I think it's something that, well, I know it's something that I have in my notes for the next episode. So <laughs> Yeah, so do I. Yeah, that's right. And I don't want to steal any thunder from that discussion. And, and honestly, now I'm thinking about chicken and I could stand to eat. Well, lucky for you, (laughs) uh, Ah. uh, I think we've uh, probably said all that we came here to say about how luck affects our happiness. So you want to send us out? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so lucky. Okay. (laughs) Melissa and I would love to continue this discussion with you all on social media. Do you consider yourself to be a lucky person? Or do you think luck is something that happens to you? Hmm. And what role do you think luck plays in your happiness? What was the last thing that happened to you that you attributed to luck? Reach out and let us know. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ThinkSigPod and on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Think Significantly. And if you enjoyed our conversation, please, of course, invite your curious friends to listen. Pete and I will be back next week to discuss another fascinating aspect of happiness. Until then, we encourage you to think about those three good things in your own lives and to continue to think significantly about the world around you. Na, 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 na.